Today in Canadian history for January 10th, I'm Mark Affeld. Canada's first Prime Minister, John A. Macdonald, was born on this day back in 1815. Or he could have possibly been born on January 11th. There's a little bit of debate on the issue. Although the 10th is widely accepted as the correct date, some records show that Macdonald's father recorded John A.'s birth date as the 11th. No matter, if ever there was a Canadian historical figure who deserved a two-part episode of Today in Canadian History, it's surely John A. Macdonald. Today, in part one, let's talk about the political impact of Macdonald on the shaping of Canada. Tomorrow, part two, we'll discuss a little bit about the man himself. In 1820, the Macdonald family moved from Glasgow to Kingston, Upper Canada. John A. became a lawyer in February of 1836. In 1843, Macdonald entered politics, becoming an alderman, and the next year he won an election, making him a member of the Legislative Assembly. Macdonald acted as a major political player for the next few decades. He served as Attorney General and eventually became the Premier of the Province of Canada as the leader of the Liberal Conservative Party. Then came Confederation. And you know what? Let's be honest. Relatively speaking, this country was not created in a very exciting way. There was no revolution, no wars, no declaration of independence. Some conferences were held, some resolutions were passed, and eventually the Queen allowed us to become our own nation. Well, actually, she allowed us to become a dominion. Anyway, you know what? I'll admit it. It all seems very boring. Some might even say very Canadian. However, if you ask me, the story of John A. Macdonald's political career and the history of Confederation is the best representation of why Canadian history is so fascinating. The story of his life and career is like an onion. The more layers you peel back, the more surprised you are to find a whole new interesting layer underneath. Really bad metaphors aside, I wanted to learn more about John A. Macdonald's role in the shaping of Canada as we know it today. To do so, I spoke with historian and author of John A. The Man Who Made Us, John A. Macdonald biographer Richard J. Gwynn. What is it about John A. Macdonald that you find the most fascinating? He's an extraordinarily interesting, attractive, uh, seductive person. He's also got faults of various kinds that we all know about. Uh, and he's unexpected. Uh, let me give you one small example of something about him that nobody knows. I don't believe one Canadian of maybe half dozen do know. In 1885, which was over 30 years before it actually happened, Can, um, Johnny MacDonald brought in legislation into the House of Commons to extend the vote to women. And he said we could be the first in the world. He didn't succeed in getting it passed, and New Zealand won that crown in 1898. Canada could have been the first. Nobody would ever expect MacDonald to do that, Nobody that I know of knows that he did it, or for practical purposes, nobody. This is a, there's a depth and a subtlety and a layers to this man and making him a most intriguing cat. And wh why do you think it is that people today are a little bit reluctant to give McDonald credit for shaping the country? I don't know quite why this is, why people are reluctant. I don't quite understand it. It's pretty obvious that but for John A. Macdonald, there would have been no confederation in 1867. Nobody else around could possibly have pulled it off. They simply weren't nearly his equal as a politician. They didn't understand how things happened. They didn't understand people. 
there was the big English-French divide, so Georges Etienne Cartier, although enormously important, couldn't have brought the rest of the country. George Brown, a very able man, the head of what became the Liberal Party, uh, had said such terrible things about Catholics and French Canadians, there was no way they would have ever trusted him to become the first prime minister. He was the flip side, as it were, of Georges Etienne Cartier. There was nobody else. He was extraordinarily skillful, and it was a much more difficult than people realize. And secondly, after Confederation, when he becomes prime minister, he repeatedly had to pull off things against all the odds. The general opinion among those who knew something about Canada, there weren't that many of them, in the States, in Washington principally, of course, and in London, part of the British Empire, which was then the world superpower, was that Canada was bound to slip in to, to the United States, to join the United States, that it was too small, too fragile. Uh, it was such a ridiculous nation, so extended and so few people, that all the intelligent people, not necessarily being nasty to Canada, but simply thought for Canadians' own benefit, they would join the United States. It was a legitimate thing to do, because the United States was so much richer, so much more developed, and was a real country with a history and a flag and all that stuff. Was there something in specific about MacDonald that made him particularly anti-American? Um, well, most Canadians were. I mean, don't remember, don't forget that Canada was the part of North America that, for various reasons, refused to join the United States through common sense geography, economics, everything, you know, that you could think of, said make it all one huge country, you know? Uh, and uh, so there was a stubborn resistance among Canadians to becoming American. This was uh, greatly reinforced by the loyalists coming north, leaving the United States to stay in the one part of North America that wasn't American. Uh, MacDonald uh, had this very strongly, not because he was born in England, because you remember he was a Scot, and the Scots had their quarrels with England. Um, but uh, he calculated, I think, very skillfully, that if you've got a next-door neighbor that's enormously attractive uh, and is, doing, is booming, and you've got a, a, a global empire called the British Empire, but that's a nice distance away on the other side of the Atlantic. Rely on Britain rather than on the states. Keep your distance from the states on issues like free trade and so on, because you will get sucked in. You know, that would be his calculation. So some of McDonald's, McDonald loved England, and he loved British British legal system, he loved the British political system, he loved British history, but he also was quite calculating that use Britain to strengthen Canada's hand vis-a-vis -vis the United States. And remember, I'll be talking more to John A. Macdonald biographer Richard J. Gwynne tomorrow in part two. Today is a day full of Canadian history. The Treaty of Versailles, which ended the Second World War, went into effect on this day in 1920. The treaty also established the League of Nations, to which Canada was a founding member. Amazingly, the League of Nations' spiritual successor, the United Nations, held its first meeting of the General Assembly on this day back in 1946, not long after the end of the Second World War. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM. 
The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher, and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash today in Canadian history. Again, it's Canadian quiz time. This might be easy or it might be hard. I don't know. We'll figure out together. We all know who the first Canadian Prime Minister is, but how many of us can name the second? Yeah? Thought it'd be easy. Well, it was Alexander Mackenzie. 